We've all seen the incredible horse and rider combinations as the backbone of our sport. But what about everything else that makes the equestrian world tick? From the everyday grind to the world-class professional, join the Equestrian Podcast as we talk about every equestrian discipline in a way that hasn't been done before. Now here's your host, rider, trainer, and influencer behind my equestrian style, Bethany Lee. Hello and welcome back to the Equestrian Podcast. I'm your host, Bethany Lee, and this is episode 149. Our guest today is an internationally renowned equestrian coach. She's based in Canada, but she travels all over the world training horses and riders for over 45 years. She also has so many accolades as a rider over the last several years, and so I thought it would be fun to have her on today to talk about that, but also about her book called Stride Control. So without further ado, I would love to welcome our guest today, Jen Hamilton. Thank you so much for taking the time to come on the podcast. Well, I'm honored to be asked. Amazing. Well, I would love to hear about how you first found yourself in the equestrian world because it was a couple years ago, right? <laughs> More than a couple. <laughs> <laughs> well, it really all started because all little girls want to ride horses. Totally. And we were, we lived in upstate New York in Schenectady, which is not, or at least in the fifties was not a big horse area, hmm. but we were able to find a great place to start my play stables in Albany, New York, which was owned by the Stewarts, Joe and Russell Stewart. People would know Russell Stewart and his son, Rusty. Rusty is still showing. Anyway, it was a wonderful place for kids to go. It was like a day camp. Hmm. And we just really learned the love of the horses and we looked after them and we played with them. And our lessons were, compared to lessons now, you'd consider them supervised rides. But it was great. We were kept safe. We were taught to go and woe. And we were taught position, which is Mm -hmm. really all you needed. But, But we learned mainly by watching Russell Stewart ride, who was a genius at riding. And times changed, you know, time went on. And we then had our own place. And I basically rode on my own for a while with the help of my father. And I had to kind of Oh, experiment, I guess would be the term experiment on how to improve my riding by actually watching other people, professionals at the time. There weren't a lot, but there were some very good ones. And, but then I uh, started riding with George Morris, who actually gave structure, more structure to my riding. But I still basically rode on my own. George would come down give me some lessons, tell me what to practice, and then I would practice. And then the horse shows would kind of be a test on whether my practice was good or not. Hmm. At the time, I was showing in the open jumper division. As a junior, I was showing in the open jumper and equitation. And how I formed a plan on what to train on, what to work on daily was really based on equitation. Hmm. In the old days, we did work-offs in the equitation or you got in the top four, the top six, you, you would do a work-off 
and they were all listed in the HSA rule book. And so I would practice these things over and over again. I was, I'm not built to ride. Some people would just call me rugged and sturdy, but I was, <laughs> I wasn't considered tall and thin, which is mm. what you were supposed to be. And so literally I had to outride people mm. and I out, rode them because I practiced so much. I could do simple changes of lead through the walk every three strides. I could do all the flat work that they needed. And so not only did it give me something to practice, it improved my riding. Mm Now, as a result of having to ride on my own, but then being supervised by George and developing whole things, I truly believe, and this actually led to my book, that people need to learn to practice on their own. Because when that end gate shuts behind you, you are on your own. Mm -hmm. And so you've got to have good habits, good instincts to take you through any situations. Anyway, in the 60s, when I was finishing up my junior years, of course, all I wanted to do was ride. But I was told that it was not appropriate for women to become professionals. And at that time, it wasn't Hmm. considered by society. I mean, times have changed so much, fortunately. Anyway, I went to university. And I came up to Canada to go to university and I ended up staying. And over the, during the summers, in order to support myself, I started giving lessons and I found out that I really enjoyed it and I was really quite good at it. And so I then got married, stayed here. I ended up teaching school and doing the courses on the side. At the then go forward into the 70s, Canada, Canada decided to op- to start a coaching program as a result of the 1976 Olympics in Montreal. And I became a darling of the coaching program because of my past riding experience and because I had an education degree. Hmm. And the coaching program opened up so many doors for me. I got even, I got educated in sport, in the technical part of our sport, and in the ethics, delivery, psychology of it all. And it's been a wonderful journey through the coaching program. And then at the same time, I had a small business here. I live in Nova Scotia and we don't, our population is under a million people. Hmm. So it wouldn't be a big business. And so what it did, it kind of morphed into me doing a lot of clinics. And now I actually, up until COVID, was going around the world doing clinics. Yeah. Tell me a little bit about that. Because I, what I have read and seen is that you've been to some amazing places. You've been obviously in the US and New Zealand, Australia, Kenya. Tell me a little bit about some of these places and and how these opportunities came about. Well, actually, it's all because of the coaching program. Nice. 
and meeting people. And well, I got to New Zealand because we met some people here and they went back to New Zealand and invited me. But at the same time, New Zealand was developing their coaching program and it was based on the Canadian program. And they actually found out that I had written the level three Canadian coaching program. And so they brought me in to help develop their instructors, their coaches. And so I would, I gave coaching seminars as I was giving riding clinics. And I have been going to New Zealand for 27 years. Wow. And it's great because I can summer here and then summer in New Zealand during our winter. (laughs) Yeah. So it was great. And then you see, I, I then met people in New Zealand who got me invites to Kenya. I've been there five times. Amazing. Hmm. But the most interesting one that I went to is I went to India to teach one very rich boy. Tell me a little bit about that. Well, it all started from a phone call in the middle of the night. (laughs) Someone calling and saying that they were calling me from Kenya or from... um, India and that they wanted me to go there. And I said, to do what? And they said to teach. And I said, teach who? And I'm thinking, you know, how many millions, billions of people are there in India? Who am I going to teach? And the man said, my son. And at that point I said, and which drunken friend are you? (laughs) I mean, really, this is ridiculous. But it turned out to be true. And I did go to India and I taught one boy and it was amazing in that Hmm. while I was there, I really had no idea if I was having a good time or a bad time. (laughs) It was just (laughs) totally taken out of my cultural experience. Yeah. The um, boy had two horses we couldn't even get him to go over a pole when we started. Wow. But by the end, uh, he was jumping, oh, an 80 centimeter course, 80, 90 centimeter course. Uh-huh. So that was good. Yeah. Amazing. And I went to the Taj Mahal. I went to all yeah. sorts of places. Wow. That's so and it, incredible. It just, and the interesting thing in doing these clinics is I get to go to wonderful places and not be a tourist. Mm-hmm. Because the people take us around and we get to see what tourists don't see. Right. It's the wonderful. Real gems. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Amazing. Yeah. Man, I bet you are itching to travel now. Oh, yes. <laughs> but it won't be for a while. <laughs> yeah. While you are waiting on that, is there still a lot of things that you can do with the coaching program? Well, yesterday I spent the day, well, I'm certified at level four, which is the highest certification, but each year you have to um, relicense. And so yesterday I spent the day doing a concussion course online and I did a um, sport awareness course. You have to do tests and I had to go organize a police report yes wow yeah (laughs) still things to do (laughs) yep definitely 
Does your equestrian business need a new website? I feel like having someone who has those skills in your corner is so important these days. What about refresh content? Maggie Cardi specializes in digital marketing across industries like equestrian sports and lifestyle, agriculture, food and wine, manufacturing, and has worked with some of the top equestrian brands. From equine vet hospitals, show barns, tax stores, and everything in between, Maggie designs all websites from scratch. And the best part? is she finishes within 30 days. Receive $100 off of your marketing project when you mention the Equestrian Podcast. To learn more, visit MaggieCardiDesign.com. That's M-A-G-G-I-E-C-A-R-T-Y Design.com. Thank you so much, Maggie. All right, let's get back to the episode. Tell me about an area of the industry that you are particularly passionate about that you feel like the rest of the equestrian community either just doesn't know a lot about or doesn't talk that much about. I don't think it's what they don't know about or they don't talk about. I think it's what they've forgotten. Hmm. And quite often, I think it's horses are our passion, which is why we all get into the whole thing. But I think it often gets a little bit forgotten because horse shows and it's all become an industry. Right. And because it's that industry that is focused on competition, we often forget why we're there, the love of the horse. And instead of I think we've forgotten the part of teaching people to ride, the skill development, and that's kind of pushed to the side, and it's done a bit, but the main focus is teaching people how to compete. Yeah, I, yeah, I and, could see that for sure. And so it's, it's become a dance a, out of rote without people really learning the skill to get them through situations. I mean, every time you go down a line of jumps or you could jump the same horse 10 times, Mm -hmm. it's never the same ride. Right. And so I think people have to learn how to ride reality. Mm -hmm. And I think the riding of reality has been taken away because people aren't being taught the basic skills that are internalized, that are practiced on their own. Yeah. We do a big clinic here before the first horse show. And it's a simulation of the horse show, a competition. The kids... The horses have to be braided. The kids are in their riding clothes because it feels so different. And we take them from the schooling area, how to warm up, right into the chute. And then they go in the ring and nobody says a word to them. Mm -hmm. And for some kids, this is the first time they've ever done a course and they weren't being talked through it (laughs) by someone else. Sure. And so I think with people practicing on their own is I had to do and what I'm encouraging in my book is people talk themselves through the 
course, not somebody else. See, we're all talking to ourselves all the time. And that talk should be positive self-talk and problem-solving self-talk instead of going, oh, dear God, I don't know what to do. Mm-hmm. We want people to problem-solve. And that comes from doing things on your own and not being afraid to make mistakes. Right. So, you know, those little failures are what take you to success if you learn to problem-solve. Mm-hmm. That's a great point. Is that kind of what the idea behind your book became? Definitely. Yeah. Tell me a little bit about Stride Control. Okay. Stride Control, the book, is really based on me doing clinics. My kids would come home from school and I'd say, so what'd you learn at school today? And they'd go, nothing. <laughs> and so. I found out doing clinics, people want to practice, but they don't know what to practice. Mm -hmm. And so stride control is a manual. It's a progression of exercises to take people through to develop the skills so they can have positive self-talk when they're going around the course. It's also a little bit of a selfish thing based on this, what did you learn at school today? Kids come out of a clinic or somebody comes out of a clinic and somebody goes, what'd you learn today? Did you learn anything? We just spent a lot of money. Did you learn anything? (laughs) And so my thing was I used to give them handouts. I was a school teacher, always give handouts. Yep. So I would give a handout. and. That would remind them what they learned, and it also justified the money that was being spent. Sure. And so these handouts were then taken and put into some articles that I wrote for an Australian magazine, Horses and People. And we had a series of nine uh, lessons in their magazine. And that then became, was then. So art, first of all, you have handouts were turned into an, to articles, then articles were turned into a book. And that's how Stride Control came to be. Amazing. Walk me through a little bit of what, like, let's say someone reaches out, they're questions that I get all the time, where they're like, Bethany, I can only, I have this horse love this horse, can only afford to lessen once, maybe twice a month. What do I do in between? You know, and there's just that kind of like gap where people don't quite know, or maybe they they have their couple issues that they're working through either with them or with their horse or combination. What, what are some things that you recommend a rider like that who, you know, it's, it's a great setup really because they are getting a lot of time to work on their riding in an individual, you know, in a solo format. Yeah. What would you recommend that they work on or how, how would you recommend they structure that time? Well, first of all, I think they should buy the book Stride Control because it takes them through it. Yeah. The book is designed to help people 
see what they have to practice. I think, well, when I do clinics, I always ask people, so what are you good at? And they look at me as if I'm crazy (laughs) and proceed to tell me everything they can't do. Mm -hmm. And I go, no, you don't have to tell me that because you advertise that. Tell me what you're good at. What are your strengths? Because we win because of our strengths, not because of our weaknesses. Right. And so what people have, I I think we overanalyze our mistakes, which is depressing. Mm -hmm. Where I think that we should look at our strengths and then look at our weaknesses and then set exercises to turn a weakness into a strength. Right. As you are maintaining your strengths. So what do I think they should work on? Knowing what they're good at, knowing what they need to work on, and then setting exercises to change that weakness into a strength. Mm -hmm. How do you do that? Your coach helps. Mm -hmm. Set a program for that. Right. Definitely. Yeah, I think that's great advice. What have you noticed in your own, you know, training and your career since writing the book and going through the process of taking some things that you know over the years, but then really putting it down on paper and organizing it? How has that kind of changed you as a trainer and in your professional career? Well, I think I was actually always quite systematic in things, but it really made me look at the goal is here. What are the skills that are going to take you towards that goal? And think about how to articulate it to the people, the riders. I think one of my skills is, or my strengths, is that I'm good at setting an exercise and then explaining to the riders what the exercise is, why we're doing it. And I think people have to know why. Mm -hmm. People don't learn things that they don't know why. So you have to have the exercise, why you're doing it, and then you give the strategy on how to do it. And writing things down got it so that I would articulate it better. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Uh, do you, since writing Stride Control, do you have other ideas for future books or anything in the works? <laughs> As a result of COVID last year, I, um, <laughs> I actually tutored our granddaughters in arithmetic and math. Ah. So I think I should write a book on elementary math based on my theories of the exercise, why you're doing it, and Uh then the strategy. And I think I think I could do elementary math in a book of 30 pages from (laughs) kindergarten through grade six. That's I mean that's pretty efficient. (laughs) 
I think so. Uh, actually, the next book, a horsey book I would write would be on the wonderful people I've met. Hmm. Yeah, that what would if, be the fun part. Definitely. Looking back kind of over the last several years of your career, what have been some high points that have really they've really stuck out in your head as either pivotal or just wonderful memories. And what have been some moments that you feel like have really maybe challenging moments that have really caused you to pivot or have shaped you into the person you are? Okay. I'd start out with the, what shaped me. I think it was, I always I mentioned it earlier. I started out a little bit behind the eight ball in that I'm not built to ride. Hmm. And so I've always worked very hard to overcome that. It's a stigma. It's body shaming. It's whatever. So I'm a hard worker and I'm very curious about things because I didn't have someone telling me the answers to the riding. So I'd have to go out and look and learn from other people and collect all those things. So I think that's what shaped me. I think one of my proudest moments was actually doing a clinic in the rain in New Zealand. (laughs) And Mark Todd brought riders over for me to teach. And Mark Todd, Sir Mark Todd, picked up jumps for me in the rain. Wow. I think that was a tremendous tribute to me. Definitely. I often think of it. The other thing is I won the 3M Coaching Award for Canada in recognition of coaching the de- coaching development I had done hmm. and my own personal coaching. And I, I think that was a wonderful recognition mm-hmm. of what I had done. The same year I won it, oh, what's the skater, the Canadian skater, Elvis Stoiko, who had mm-hmm. won the gold medal at the Olympics, his coach got it for the men wow. and I got it for the women. Wow. So I was in good company. Yeah, I would say so. That's amazing. Yeah. yeah. So cool. Well, Jen, thank you so much for taking the time to come on the podcast. I am so excited to read Stride Control because I think as I, I think as a rider, as a trainer, as an equestrian in general, there's so much that we can take from this book. So I'm excited to read it and I wish you all the best. Well, thank you. This has been most enjoyable. All right, that is all I have for you today. Thank you so much for tuning in. If you liked what you heard, please take a minute and write a review on iTunes. I would so appreciate it. It helps people like you find the podcast and it helps me get some killer guests. Thank you so much and I will talk to you next week.